Hey you, this is Sarah Allred. I get to be your host for this special episode with David and Emily Jones from Family Tech University. But here's a little heads up. There was too much good content to make it fit into one episode. So you're going to notice that this is part one of our interview with Family Tech University's creators, David and Emily Jones. So it will be split into two episodes and the next one will go live next Tuesday. So hang on for a really, really important interview. Welcome to the Women With Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey, you, and welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred. I am honored to be your host today on probably the most important topic ever for anyone who owns a smartphone, for anyone who has a teenager lurking in their house. I am sitting across from some names you may not know, David and Emily Jones. David and Emily Jones. They are who I am sitting across from. And I have to put a little disclaimer in there. This is my sister and my brother-in-law. So rock on, rock on. Now, drum roll, please. Let me introduce you to the newest thing you have to have for your family. It is called Family Tech University. Pause the podcast. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you are sweating. I don't care if you're training for a marathon. I don't care if you are hanging out with those little ones on the rug. Pause it and go to familytechuniversity.com. Watch the video on the homepage to get a real flavor for what we are about to talk about. This is groundbreaking, my dear friends, and you're sick of hearing from me. So I'm super excited to be able to introduce you to the creators of Family Tech University, David and Emily Jones. Dave, we're so glad to have you. Thank you, and I'm thrilled to be here. And by the way, I feel quite privileged to be one of the few men on Women With Fire. <laughs> Thank you for having us on. We, we try to like sneak one in a season, <laughs> and that's kind of the barrier there. So yeah, we are honored to have you and your wonderful, wonderful brother-in-law. And my dear sis M, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, Sarah, this is my privilege. If there ever was an oldest sister that looked up to a younger sister, I'm it. So here we are. (laughs) We're going to just have a big gush love fest over over this episode, right? No, we've got to get down to serious business here, okay? Now, if I were to speak really generally, I would say, okay, David works in computers for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's all I'm going to say because it's one of those jobs, right? And then Emily is a mother to five, how many kids do you have? One, two, three, four, Got it. <laughs> five Got kids. It. <laughs> Got mother it. to five kids. And she is a published desert book author, a book on the horizon, and just is one of the greatest Nintendo players of all time. So <laughs> have to know that too. <laughs> there we go. There it is. <laughs> now she did decide to give up Nintendo at least for a year. Just kidding. That was all in the past. But the past year they have been working on a project, this project, Family Tech University. And to me, Em and Dave, I feel like it is right in line with our president of the church. Russell M. Nelson's desire to allow ownership of self and salvation to be placed into the hands of our youth and his confidence in them and that fireside that just at the very beginning of his presidency made everything explode as he invited them to be on the Lord's team. I want to know, Em, I'm going to let you start, what you feel, why you feel now is the time to change our approach to teaching kids technology? Oh, I love this question. Sarah, I think that there has been 
in the past a tendency to underrate the power and the capacity of our young people to make choices that are good and that are pure. Um, I think that there is a resident strength in them that has up to this point been untapped. And we have a prophet today who is tapping into that power. We have seen that in our own home. Um, our own teenage boys, we've got three teenage boys and a daughter who's 12. And so they're all kind of in that category. And they, to, to watch their reaction to President Nelson's invitations, it is electric. It is just electric. And we, we do feel that this has been a very spirit-driven experience um, in, in, in our prayerfulness and our study in a, for our own family in how to address these very serious issues with technology. Um, we have just felt such an outpouring of, of revelation for our own children. And we hope that some of these ideas and these thoughts that's, that are, you know, have been generated through this project can just bless families because this is a huge deal. Technology is huge. In fact, the other day, I just read a newspaper article that kind of took a poll of parents as to what their top concerns are. And technology just blew it out of the water. It was right at the top. It's on everybody's mind. So why is it that I feel like, because I am in a different stage. My oldest is 10, as you know, my sweet daughter, her 12-year-old and my 10-year-old are best buddies. And here's the thing. I am not in your stage yet. And so what I, I guess my biggest question regarding kind of the now of what we're approaching with tech is everything I've been taught to this point is protect and filter and hide their phones somewhere at night and don't allow and you know all this this kind of approach and it, it just to me is not enough not enough and so David why is Family Tech University so relevant to the right now? Excellent question. And, you know, maybe a little bit of thought. You mentioned that we've kind of been working on this for a year. The reality is just like you or any other um, parent of children, we, we uh, found ourselves, especially me being in technology, when we were first married and before we had children, I often remember washing dishes after dinner and discussing the dangers of technology and how are we going to protect our family and how are we going to protect our future children and those kind of things. And, uh, and so many of, uh, of the thoughts and, and, and things around Family Tech University have been some elements that have sort of been evolving and developing for a number of years, like over 20 years now. And, and uh, really it's just this last year that we've um, kind of put it in a format that's really consumable, I think, for people online. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe for a really short backstory, um, as the internet was developing and going into technology, um, professionally, um, we we're all trying to learn how to traverse that environment. And as technology was developed, especially on the web, there's kind of the light good side and there's the dark destructive side. And companies started to be developed that would develop filters and applications and software and routers and different things that would help protect, uh, but I felt as a technologist, if, I, if my intent was to find bad, I could get it. I could trick the router. I could um, find a way to skirt around it. The technology wasn't going to protect me. And so what is it that's going to protect me? And, and it came right down to my own values, my own belief system, my own determination to um, develop practices and skills it would allow me to be successful in this world that's saturated with technology. And, and, uh, and so it's been interesting, as Emily mentioned, how some of these things have really surfaced in really dramatic ways for us as we've been putting this project together over the last year or two, how driven and almost like sleeplessly driven we've, we've felt um, the need for um, a mechanism for families to be able to um, establish something that's a little bit more 
Um, and in fact, Emily has a great story about uh, our kids with, with uh, fences. Yeah, I could share a little story because because this this is a huge this is a huge issue and when you when you are addressing this with teenagers it can be completely overwhelming and how do we how do we instill this in our children when our kids were really young really really young our three oldest boys they were just normal fabulous little kids and and what little kids do is they explore and so they would just explore our backyard. They would dig holes, they would chase bugs, they would do all of those things. But when the backyard got boring, then suddenly the front yard and the road became very exciting, right? And so the idea of our little babies running headlong into traffic became an issue. It was scary. And so what did we do? We decided it's time for a fence. It's time for a fence. And so we had these lovely, lovely visions of what would happen. David was going to labor over this fabulous fence, this six-foot, gorgeously stained, impenetrable beauty, right? <laughs> and he was going to labor over this, and we would finish this fence, and then we would sip lemonade on the, on the deck and watch them play in the backyard. You've got everybody, like, chuckling now because <laughs> it's to come. <laughs> you can already see what's going to happen. So he labors for an entire summer over this fence, and it is just beautiful, just a piece of art. He nails the first, the last nail in, puts in the last screw. We're so excited, and they are out in the backyard, and they're playing, and I kid you not, within two days, I look out the kitchen window in horror, and our three boys have dug a hole under the fence with David's golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they had. I call them by name. I know these boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so, to laugh or to cry, right? To laugh or to cry. But Sarah, with this experience came a profound parable for us. And the parable is this the fence is necessary. It is. When you have babies, when you have crawling babies who don't have an understanding, yet the fence is necessary. Those external fences are necessary. However, the power comes when you build the fence in tandem with teaching them about the road, right? So in tandem with putting up our digital filters and our monitoring systems that, that are, are necessary, the power and the strength comes when we start building the internal filter. We start building what's inside of them, this understanding about the road. See this road? There are cars on the road, and those cars can hurt you. We're going to teach you about holding hands when we cross the road. We're going to teach you about looking both ways. And so in tandem with building the fence, we also teach so that when the fence is not there, or when they get tall enough to open the gate, that internal filter is built into their hearts and they can self-govern when the fence is gone. And, and that is, that is the, the basis for what David and I have been working on. In fact, there's this quote by Elder Renlund, maybe David can share this. this. This is really the crux of what we're doing. Yeah, this I think is really the big pivot on this concept. Um, you know, we ask ourselves, what's the end goal? It's obviously not to keep our kids in a fence for their entire life. That's not the goal. The goal is to have them be able to traverse the streets and walk to school without any parent needed to be there, right? But this, this is a quote by Elder Renlund. He said, our Heavenly Father's goal is not to have his children do what is right. It is to have his children choose to do what is right. It's not simply checking the box of doing what is right, it's choosing it. And so how do we position our young people, how do we position our children to choose or self-select themselves into a way of appropriate technology use. Like in my early college days, right, with technology, knowing that I could get bad stuff if I wanted to, no matter what sort of thing was in the way. It was really ultimately up to me and my personal value system, my own internal filter, to determine how I was going to traverse technology. So... So this is unparalleled in anything I have seen regarding tech. I have attended multiple fifth Sundays, bless my wonderful words heart all over the USA that I've been. And I have been to trainings and I've listened to podcasts and 
the bulk of the meeting is on filters and tactics. Okay. And also stats about pornography and depression and all those things. And so and you and I have talked a lot about this, about how fear impacts how parents are handling how they teach their kids about tech. And truly, the fence is easier to put up in a summer than to teach about the road and the front yard for decades and decades and decades and finally allowing the kid to walk to the neighbors without you. Yes. You know, it's just easier to to do the fence approach, but it just isn't enough. It just isn't enough. And so what symptoms are you also seeing um, about the reign of fear in parents? And what's your answer to it? This is a big deal, Sarah. This is, this is, really, really a big deal. So Dave and I, um, about a year ago, actually attended a seminar on teens and technology. And this seminar was, was hugely popular and attended. It was stacked to the rafters, this meeting. And the presentation was excellent. And the intent to, to warn parents about what's really going on, all of it truth, all of it truth. Dave and I sat during this presentation and I tell you what, we sat there in those audience seats and listened to our fellow parents sitting around us making comments, asking questions. And you know what? The dominant emotion was in that room, thick as butter. I am freaked out. It was fear. I am freaked out. I'm not even there. I am freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) And rightly so, right? Fear is an important emotion because it warns of danger. It, it, It is protective in nature. However, when a parent operates as a parent entirely driven by the emotion of fear, if a parent is always operating in that space, David and I have seen one of two directions that those parents take. Do you want to share? Right. So, yeah. So, and fairly typically, if if you're a fear parent or you're parenting with fear with technology, you're going to, you're going to say, all right, child, I don't trust you. I am going to make sure that you um, have all kinds of restrictions. I'm going to have a list of 400 rules and you're going to sign your name to each one of these. And, and, uh, and you're going to uh, adhere to all of these things. You're going to not go on the web until you're 29 years old and, and kind of take this approach that is just a clamp down and clamp down hard. Um, and, 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 you know, we've observed people do this. Probably all of us, all of us have seen this. Perhaps all of us have attempted some measure of this. Um, it, it's really when, when a parent operates in that way, they are trying to prevent a mistake on the part of the child because they love that kid. Right. It's that it's out of love. The intention is, is pure and the love is, it's not this neglectful parent syndrome. Right. In fact, you know, they're absolutely attempting to protect them from horrible things. They're afraid that they might develop habits or be impacted by technology in a way that might destroy their entire life. I mean, that's kind of the the fear thought and, and um, any little um, um, variance from, from whatever they deem as this, um, perfect scenario, you know, it's almost like meltdown, like what, what are we going to do? Um, and the, the second, uh, we talked about it too, the, the second is, and this is often common, where we feel overwhelmed as a parent. We have tried the different softwares, we've tried the different filters, we've tried the different um, approaches, and we're just completely overwhelmed. And Johnny's friends all have a cell phone, and everybody's got a smartphone, and I don't want my kid to be, a, you know, the nerd that doesn't have anything. So, all right, I'm going to give them the technology and just, you know, Hey, don't do anything bad and kind of cross our fingers, hold our breath and hope that, uh, that it all works out. And, and, uh, um, you know, those are kind of the two, two approaches that we've observed when fear is the motivating factor or the, you know, the default, how do we approach this as a parent? This is so fantastic. And it actually like sparks this moment I had our, the interview right before this one launches is Dr. Finlayson Fife. And she also 
resonates with this exact thing and is very bold to talk about how if we are over the top, dramatic, fear-oriented, and she was specifically talking about pornography and the body, teaching about the body um, and intimacy, that you are super driving emotions um, and experiences that are going to happen in your child's life. And it actually is the riskier way to parent. It's so true. In fact, Sarah, you, you almost verbatim are expressing an idea that we just love that Elder Uchtdorf shared. Um, this concept of the effects of fear on our young people. And this is what he said. He said, people who are fearful may say and do the right things, but they do not feel the right things. He says they often, these kids will feel helpless and resentful, even angry. And over time, these feelings lead to mistrust, defiance, and even rebellion. Pretty intense. I've got total goosebumps. Yeah. So fear is not the way. Fear, fear is not the way. Right. And I hope, like, as I'm sitting here, I, like, it is confirmed to me that this is truth. This is true. This is true. Because... You know, another example to pull in and confirm this is in the initial decision in heaven, whose way was the fear-filled way? Uh, the adversary himself. Right. That was the no mistakes, the guaranteed, right? Oh, that, and yet it was, for sure, we know why, and we can say verbatim what we've been taught, that it, it was not clearly not the way for us to become who we can become, like God. Amazing. Amazing. And now a short break for a word about our sponsor. Look, if you have kids, listen up. Trying to find ways to balance all of life's expectations and still find time to teach our kids in the home is wicked tough. I get it. I've got four kids of my own. Well, I have found a service to make this easy for you. It's a game changer, people. Come follow me, F-H-E. We'll take out all of the guesswork when implementing home-centered teaching with the Come Follow Me program. So Christians and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can have weekly access to lesson bundles that align exactly with the New Testament study for this year. The lessons are geared towards primary age kids and aim to make gospel learning purposeful, engaging, and dare I say, joyful and fun in your home. So serious, it is five bucks a month, people. Five bucks a month for all of this plan for you. Follow Come Follow Me FHE on Instagram at Come Follow Me FHE to catch weekly coaching on the materials. So just for us Women With Fire listeners, woo! We are offering you a free month to come follow me, FHE. Use code WOMENWITHFIRE, and it's good through the end of October 2019. All right, back to the podcast. So what do you say then? I mean, David, I really, really resonate with, with what you said about being overwhelmed, because um, I know I've got listeners here that's like, well, I'm, I'm too late. Yeah. I'm too late. I've got a 16-year-old or I've got an 18-year-old who um, I, I cannot pull the phone from his or her hands or um, I have a problem myself as a parent or whatever. And oh, and now I'm supposed to teach him how to hold hands across the road, like missed the boat, Em and Dave. And so right. can you miss, have they missed the boat? Where do they start? So it's important to recognize that no matter what phase or state or situation you're at with your family or their age or how they're using technology, that it's never too late to change the way your family uses technology. It's never too late. And I, I throw that out there and I, one little additional dimension. Um, and, and maybe this is my own plug because I'm into technology as a technologist. Um, it's important to recognize that, you know, it's our belief that, Technology is here for a divine purpose, that uh, we um, have technology to, frankly, help further the work of the Lord. And um, we need to empower our children to utilize technology as a sword to, to share light and goodness and happiness and life 
and awesomeness. That's the intent. As parents, when we have this fear or we are overwhelmed, um, you know, the scripture and doctrine and covenants, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Um, there is a way. There is hope, and there are ways that we can be very purposeful and very planful in how we teach and position our, our family with regard to technology. We can be courageous as parents. We can be strong for our kids. They need us. We need each other. There's opportunities for our own teenagers where they teach us all the time on how we use technology. And, and uh, I, I, I think uh, um, in the absence of that, um, you just run into, tro- you run into troubles where your, your children, they don't have things in their heart and they're just following restricting, you know, re- they feel restricted. And, and, and uh, I don't know if that, that makes sense. I, and maybe this is a place to throw this in here. I have a, a friend, a coworker, who um, wrote this long contract for his family, you know, two pages of rules, and required each of his children to sign that contract and, and uh, to adhere. In order to use technology, these are the rules they have to adhere by. And he brought this, he showed me this uh, contract, um, and his son had taken a lighter and burned his signature out of the bottom of this contract. And, and it's interesting. It's like, well, why did he do that? Why, why did he burn his name out of that contract? These are all important things. They're legitimate, you know, rules and whatnot. And the thought that came to my mind was, well, that young man didn't have it in his heart. These weren't his rules. They weren't his motivations or his aspirations. They were entirely just pure restrictions to him. And, 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 and that's where I think the pivot is happening in our youth today and, and where the church and the prophet is leading is helping our youth recognize that they're masters of their own fate. And they, they, can, they have far more strength than I think we often give them credit. It's true. And Sarah, I, I think it's really important to, for parents to internalize the idea that their children are in process. That they're, they're, it is never too late. And that what we might see as a setback or a failure, there, there's nothing permanent about mistakes in this life. There might be consequences. Again, say it again. There is nothing permanent, eternally permanent about the mistakes that we make in this life, including with technology. And what we might see as um, permanent addictions or permanent issues or permanent habits, it's just not true. And it goes against everything that we believe in association with the atonement of Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's really important for parents to understand we can do this there is hope and the thing that's exciting to us to David and I is that we are seeing a rising generation of teenagers that are are rejecting this takeover of screens in their lives and these young people you know David talks about the 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 burning off of the name at the bottom of the contract that boy's in process and he's going to figure it out they are going to figure it out. In contrast to that, um, we also know many young people who are starting to reflect on what they really want in life and having a vision implanted in their hearts for what they want and what they want to pursue. They are using those, those feelings that they have inside for what they really want in life to direct their decision-making with technology. And that is what the internal filter is really about. It's about what is my vision for my future life and is my behavior with technology leading down that road to what I want? You know, we know a young woman personally, and there are many like her who, because of her maturity, her parents granted her access to anything that she wanted. She was involved on social media. She was involved on those platforms and she noticed and was sensitive to the fact that her feelings of anxiety were heightened um, with more use of social media, recognized some creeping feelings of depression, and on her own, of her own volition, she deleted those apps from her phone. Is social media evil? No. In fact, those kids, just the way David talked about, can wield it to spread light. However, she, privy to personal revelation, 
determined this is a this is a, a weakness for me this is a weak place for me and for me this is what i'm going to do that is the internal filter at work it is young people with a vision for a future life of joy and happiness and choosing their behavior with technology in a way that will lead them to become what they were always meant to be. So as part of season six on the women with fire, Michelle and I have been talking a lot on the podcast. We clearly, we are followers. We call them questers. They are questers. They are working on projects and nurturing families and relationships. And they are being chain breakers of all sorts of challenges that they have faced in their families. Um, so they, this resonates them, you know, finding a quest and you finding your own quest. And something we talk a lot about and use examples in the scriptures of is there are always these pivot points or decision points within a quest because a quest is a kind of a switchback up a mountain because you're a hiking family that resonates with you. But what, what have been some of the actual decision points where, gosh, when you're working on the back end of the website, David, and it's like, H-E double hockey sticks land <laughs> with what you're doing. And yet these decision points or pivot points or, or God moments, whatever you want to call them, have just confirmed to you over and over and over that, that this has been inspired um, from heaven for your family and for the world. What have been some of those decision pivot points, God moments? This is a pivot point that, that uh, I would bring up that might seem kind of small, but, but this was a, was a big one for me. I remember sitting with our oldest son. Um, he is 17 now, and when he was starting to express interest in a cell phone, that moment that all parents kind of dread, um, and the wheels started turning, I recall uh, coming across a piece of media online. It was a 60 Minutes special. And it was fascinating. It was called Brain Hackers. It was called Brain, I think Brain Hacking. It was a 60 minutes short. And it was basically about social media and the technologies that they use to keep us online as long as possible. Anyway, I was fascinated by this study. And I sat down uh, when I had a moment with our oldest son, Ben, and showed him this video. And I asked him, what do you think about this? My, 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 my initial uh, desire was to like pour out all of my opinions on him. Yeah, I'm like lecture time. Lecture time. I was going to this and let me talk to you. <laughs> yes, watch this and then I'm going to tell you what you need to think. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But but for whatever reason I just said, "What do you think about this video?" And that boy, he just poured out all of this wisdom and these opinions and things I had not even thought of. And this, this was a pivot point for me because when I heard him talking, a voice in my head said, look at the opinions that are forming here. He owns those. Those are not mom's. Those are not dad's opinions. Those are Ben's opinions. They are in his heart. And he has some opinions there that are going to drive his behavior with social media. That was a pivot point for me because I realized this program that we have put together and are using with our children works. Um, it is. It generates the the. It generates opinions within our children that they own, and that that and so that that was huge for me because it 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 made us realize this is truth. This is working. Oh, I'm just my mind is blown. I mean that's the dream, right? is that they, they can be fed something and then voice an opinion that that they made on their own that you're thrilled about. I mean, that's the dream, right? <laughs> that's the dream. And you know, I, you know, sir, I was going to say, if I could, something that's really fascinating as we've watched Ben and, you know, he's our guinea pig, the poor guy, but uh, you know, his cell phone or mobile phone use, smartphone use has been a little bit different than many of his friends and his friends have noticed that. And it's been kind of fun to observe when they come to him and, and say, so what kind of rules do you have in your home? You know, feeling like they, they, they've got some kind of weird restriction or some kind of rule or whatever. And he doesn't regurgitate something from us. He shares an opinion. He says, well, here's how I live my life. 
and here's what here's how I utilize my smartphone and here's what is you know and and, he, and they're kind of blown away by wow you know it, it's not anything you know whisper behind mom and dad's back well you know here I do it because they make me there's none of that and and, and you know he's not perfect by any stretch but he's really developed something that he owns to the point where he's influencing his peers and they are interested and they're curious. Well, what, what is this all about? And, and, and it's kind of fun to see. Sarah, I think it's important too, to, um, to also acknowledge that we've also had missteps in our home as well. And so, so no parent should be hanging their head because, Oh my, my child has done this or my child's on there 24 seven. We have, all kinds of personalities in our families and missteps are part of the game. They're part of the game. Now, I, I am dying to hear what your approach is to missteps. And in order to kind of put that in the right place, I am thinking back to what David said that you were, you were giving this presentation or whatever in your ward that your bishop has asked you to give. And you noticed that there was like excitement that these parents felt hopeful and excited and it wasn't the oh, I'm scared and I'm overwhelmed, but they were excited. And so if, if you're to be asked to sit across, you know, from someone who is just desperate to make this right in their home, what, and I will talk about the actual structure of family tech university and everything like that, but what principles is it based on that really make it work? Like, I want to like specifically hear, like, what is being taught here that is developing this inside young people? Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about how, how it's structured. Um, the basic structure of Family Tech University is um, that we have curated from the web some of the finest materials that we can find associated with technology and the wise use of it. And these materials have to be powerful. They have to evoke emotion and spirit. Um, they have to evoke opinion, strong opinion. That is that is the purpose of the materials that have been selected. So Pitt, give me an example of a piece of the material that you feel like really sparks an opinion in a young person when they watch it or listen to it or or whatever. Like, okay. what's one so, of the pieces? Here's an example. A lot of parents are concerned about gaming. Okay. So we have a video clip um, that is just fascinating. Um, a, a gentleman who actually lives overseas um, took, was able to arrange a camera behind a TV screen. Okay, so basically what he did is he, he arranged and he concocted this ability to place a video, a video recorder behind a TV screen and actually with permission videotape young people playing video games. And the result is, besides being incredibly artistic, um, it also makes a really dramatic social statement. It's quite disturbing to watch, actually. Um, there's kids that are playing violent video games, and of course, no profanity in the clip that we've included, but, but there, is, there, there are some kind of um, disturbing facial expressions outbursts about killing, you know, all of these kind of things. Anyway, this clip just fascinates us and, and, and it's very interesting to show it to a young person. So they watch this video um, that's included in this curriculum. They watch this video and then they get to journal write online about their reaction to the video. So this is an example of, of, of how Family Tech University operates. It's the presentation of some powerful materials and then some way of digesting those materials, whether they are prompted to have a chat with a parent, express their opinions about the materials, or they write a journal entry, which is emailed to the parent, by the way. The child knows this, that the parent is going to get to read their reactions to these materials or various other ways that we have structured for them to digest these materials and express an opinion about it. That is where the magic happens. They see something, it resonates in some way, they express their opinion about it, and there is something, something inside that happens. This is the building of the internal filter. Have you had your kids do the journaling? Absolutely. And it's what have you discovered? 
it, it's fascinating to see their their the way they articulate their thoughts and and take a position on different things and it's been really fun um it's been kind of uh, oddly satisfying as a parent to to see opinions formed and and deep um you know thoughts of their future and, and how a technology impacts that future and and uh it's been it's been really fun and, and we've we've received that same sort of feedback from various parents that have, have utilized it with their families it's been fun for them as well to to see their children grow and develop in, in these um in their positions with regard to technology it's pretty it's pretty awesome so what what other approaches are taken within the workshop that you you think also refine the internal filter so they're they're gaining opinions they are they're watching consuming media they are forming opinions and digesting opinions what other experiences are they having so there's there's one experience that we think is particularly powerful and that is where the young person is actually assigned to go out into a public place so they need to go to a public place where they can observe lots of people. This could be a library. This could be um, maybe a mall. This could be a train station. Somewhere where they can actively watch people interacting with each other. A restaurant, those kind of things. They go and they sit for 30 minutes with a pad and, and pencil in hand and make observations of how people are using technology as they in the middle of interacting with other people they take notes about did you see anybody who was missing out on face-to-face -face interaction because of technology did you see um, times when maybe somebody was not aware of their environment or was ignoring somebody because of technology they make observations about the impact of technology on the way that we interact as human beings and it is an incredible experience for young people to really pay attention to the way tech is impacting the way that we interact with each other. Yeah. Awesome. So what I'm just, I'm, I'm like mortified to think that they found me in that mall and I got, <laughs> about oh my word. Oh my word. And this is, you talk about how parents need to be courageous with tech. They need to be courageous and do this. And luckily you've, you've provided a plan that works for them that they can use. Um, the, that parent is such a hero. And you did something recently on Instagram that made me, made my skin crawl, the thought of doing it myself. And I don't even have teenagers, Em and Dave. Oh my gosh. You did a thing called, I think it's called look in the mirror. Is that what That's it's right. called? Okay, so number one, how can our listeners get access to this form? And second, tell them what it is and what you learned. Like, give us your humble pie about what you learned about your house and technology. Well, uh, it does take courage to look in the mirror through the eyes of your kids. Because kids are pretty raw and straight up, and they just kind of say it how they see it which is awesome. Um, what we did is we put together really just kind of a simple survey. Then we pass it out to each one of our kids, all five of them, you know, and, and convince them, promise them that they could be open and honest, that there was no retaliation possible. <laughs> and, and it would ask, uh, you know, various simple questions. Some are just like, you know, does your parent, do you see your parent use their smartphone all the time or sometimes or not very often? You know, some of them were just kind of a circle the answer. And some of them were, you know, fill in your own free form answer. And uh, in fact, we have a couple of these here. And I think some of the same ones that we might be shared on Instagram, but uh, like one of my favorites that, uh, well, I must say that M got a better grade than I did. <laughs> on, on <laughs> Emily is an impressive individual with tech. I have also yeah. noticed that being around her. <laughs> and so I, I got plenty of constructive feedback from, from our kids. <laughs> Let's hear it, Dave. Let's but, hear it. Uh, you know, uh, one of them was uh, one of the boys, I think it was. I, I don't know if they really signed a name, but guess who it was? He said, sell your phone and buy a mountain bike. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, another one, and this one hits right to the heart because I'm a nerd and I, I like chess. And, and they said, make chess.com disappear. 
<laughs> and you okay, know, what's your instinct to that as a dad? Um, he's spot on. Oh, and, and, and the reality is I, I, I abandoned that. I realized there are several, all, I think all my kids mentioned that. And, and uh, as innocent as that might be, they observed it as something that was getting in the way of my time with them. And, and so I've, I've abandoned it. And, and, and uh, not to say that there's anything wrong with, with, with that product or that game or whatever, but, but uh, they, in their eyes, saw that it was, was in the way. And maybe you could read a couple of these other ones in. You know, it's really, it's really an amazing experience. One thing that I learned um, that even, even when you are trying to be fairly cognizant of your particular phone use, right? Because it's carried around. It's, it's just in your pocket or, you know, yeah, probably shouldn't be all the time, but it, it generally is. And one thing that I learned is that even when you feel like you're, you are, you are trying hard to not be on that phone um, all the time, especially when they're home or dinner time, even, even minor um, rare times of when the experiences where they feel like they are being ignored for technology, even rare moments like that are painful to our children. They really are. And, and I think that's something that I learned um, that, that even when we feel like we're doing okay, that one moment when they're really trying to show you something or really trying to talk to you and you're just kind of zoning out. I learned that I, I really need to watch that. I really need to watch that. I think, Sarah, sometimes when we talk about training our children with regards to technology, we often talk about talking to them about pornography, talking to them about social media, um, plugging phones in in the parents' room and not being on them late at night. But one gaping hole that we parents can address is what is their prime example doing with technology, their parent? That is, a, that is a gaping hole sometimes in our training with our children is to turn, turn around and really reflect, look in the mirror, what are my children seeing from their most powerful example? Their mom, their dad, their caregiver, what are they seeing? Um, that is something that we need to address and your listeners can certainly have free access to that survey. If they're interested, we'll give that you a link for the show notes if you'd like it. Um, it's also available in, um, there's a link in our bio in Instagram. It is a powerful experience and one that is tremendously courageous for a parent to take, to say, hey, I want to know how you feel about my technology use. So much courage, so much courage for a parent to do that and life-changing. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. Um, I might have my dates a little bit off, but I believe roughly 12 years ago, was when the announcement of the first iPhone was made. And, and so if you've got a 12 or a 13-year-old son or daughter, um, they, they were basically born at the inception of the smartphone. And, and as parents, you know, we weren't taught how to traverse that kind of technology when we were kids. It's nothing that we had encountered. And many of us, you know, were wowed by the technology, and it's awesome technology. Um, but I think many of us are still trying to figure out where it fits in our life. And maybe over the course of the last dozen years, we maybe have developed some habits that we don't even recognize as being a problem because it's so ingrained with our routine or whatever. And, 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 uh, and yet our 12 and 13-year-old children, they probably have never known a world where their parents haven't had a smartphone in their hand. And, and that's, you know, frankly, that first they're the first people ever in the history of mankind that have had such a thing where their parents have had that. And, and, and uh, so um, anyway, I don't think it can be overstated how um, important it is for us as parents to like, to take a real serious look through our own eyes, through our spouse's eyes, through the eyes of our children. And, and we, I, um, it does something to you when your kid says, dad, you need a, you need a change because your way you use technology is hindering my time with you and our relationship. You sit down and have a real think, what goal am I going to set? How am I going to change my 
daily behavior that I didn't even realize was an issue. Oh, this, this is so profound to me. It makes me think of a couple um, of things. The first is, um, we've talked about, is it ever too late? And I would dare say straight into the microphone that if you as a parent are waiting for all of the studies and research to come out about how our tech use is impacting our kids, you are going to be too late. <laughs> Don't rely on all the studies to come out. Start with the basic look in the mirror and study what is happening in your in your roof that way. And I think the thing that that really resonates with me when you talk about that look in the mirror and that courage is that you are you are also teaching that a parent and a family is also in process. Yes. Yes. And what a humanizing experience for a kid to say, my dad is changing, willing to do so. And I loved him before. I love him now and love him maybe a little more now, you know, I mean, but just to go through that experience of, of watching a father correct and not lose his mind over it and and having a mom make changes it just allows this this beautiful area of we are in process and we are repenting and we are constantly constantly refining all the way from the youngest to dad and what that teaches about their own missteps and their own refinement i think is you can't miss it you can't miss this opportunity so what I've got, I've got to ask you because you brought it up. How do you handle the missteps with the tech use? With what if somebody's hiding their phone in their room late at night? What if there is a misstep with pornography? What if, um, what if they are being mean to somebody on social media once you know, those things are earned or however you approach it? But what do you do? Oh man, what a cliffhanger to leave this interview on. So sorry. This is Sarah Allred, your host from this past interview with Family Tech University with Emily and David Jones. Just a reminder, this is part one out of two parts of this interview full of amazing goodness on teaching teens tech. Next Tuesday, we will have part two go live. So get your excitement up and be ready for part two to join you next week week. Thanks for joining us on the Women With Fire podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, Find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there. <music>